0: What do ghosts do when they're bored? If I hang out near a power plant, will I become an X-Men? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Paranormal Life! Ayo! Oh! Back on a Tuesday. That's right, you're listening to This Paranormal Life, the paranormal podcast where every week we dissect a different paranormal tale, case, claim, and get to the bottom of whether that is true or whether it is false. And as always, you're joined by myself, Kit And this professional paranormal investigator across the table from me, Mr. Roy Pars. That's right. That's right. You know what day I don't like solving paranormal crimes?
1: Uh, The day that doesn't end with Y. Am I right? Am I right?
0: (laughs) Uh, Which which day is that? Chortle. It's a secret day I invented in between Friday and Monday. And we have to cover that on a different episode. But that is not what we're covering today.
1: Subscribe uh, to the Paranormal Patreon and you will get your bonus episode every Chortle. Chortle doesn't
0: come around too often, I'll tell you
1: how much. No, you know like leap years? Well, we have leap chortles. And uh, that means we put up the bonus episodes whenever the f- we feel like it. <laughs> we're not really plugging our Patreon well. You get a monthly bonus episode.
0: You consistently.
1: <laughs> and every chortle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. We're just going to dive right into today's investigation. What we're going to talk about today is not just top secret. It is beyond top secret listen some of our investigations are a breeze a slice of cake a wet blanket a puppy dog's laugh a literal piece of candy floss but not today today we put our lives on the line are you ready no put out your hand pass me that knife i said because we're going to shake hands blood brothers. i don't know why you have a
1: knife in a podcast studio for a start that's weird
0: also, I said no. It's a ceramic knife. I snuck it past the metal detector you installed. I 3D printed it from
1: from, from this
0: briefcase. Well, listeners, this is your warning. If you keep listening, when you go to sleep tonight, you're going to wake up in Guantanamo Bay. It's November 2nd, 2005, and one Victor Martinez email account just started blowing up. Emails everywhere. Going viral. You see, Victor started a private mailing list comprised of the world's top foremost UFO researchers. Around 150 in total. Some famous names in the paranormal world in there, some not, but most importantly, all classified names. So these UFO experts use this list to communicate and disseminate information securely between each other. Right. Well, on November 2nd, 2005, one email got everyone's attention. You got mail. It's porn, isn't it? Yeah, it was topless nudes. <laughs> you Very much so it was topless nudes. It's just like nudes.
1: one guy, like, sending an email. Uh, unidentified object seen over the Chimelayan mountains. Pew, another email. Strange footprints found in the, the North American regions of the, the foresty areas. <laughs> and then pew, one guy.
0: Check out these bazongas. Larry, you can't, Auga. you can't do this Am every, I right, gentlemen? This is a UFO. I mean, they are bazongas, but this is a UFO mailing list. You can't just hijack it like you do every time.
1: This is a UFO. This is a okay.
0: unbelievably f***ing oversized bazongas. Where is the B in that acronym? The B was silent. Okay. We have to kick you out. I only wish someone could invent an internet forum or something so that we didn't have to communicate with Larry over email. No, it was not porn. An email came through the network written by someone claiming to be a retired senior official in the Defense Intelligence Agency, Hmm. a.k.a.
1: the DIA. Wow. What
0: what does that stand for? The Defense Intelligence Agency. Oh,
1: right. Missed that. And
0: the abbreviation? When expanded, it it means... Have you
1: ever heard of the DIA? No.
0: I hadn't either. I kind of thought it was made up when I first read, but apparently this is completely a real thing. You've got the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, and then you've got the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency.
1: Ah, this seems like that would
0: fall under the CIA's jurisdiction. CIA seems sort of more, it's like the FBI, isn't it? It's not military, it's like uh, detectives. Yeah, because when something's going down, they're the ones
1: that always... Uh, arrive to the scene and go over to the military guys and go mm-hmm. we're in charge now that's you know, right they and then, take over and then the
0: military they're always pissed they're always yeah.
1: like oh it's so <laughs> annoying because you can do this to us yeah. but oh we hate it and then they as you know just revenge go to like a local crime scene right and there's like a you know a police officer and they're like "We're ta- well we're taking over this case and the policeman's like god god damn it what can I do and he, and he walks just, over
0: to a traffic <laughs> order yeah and
1: he's like get the f- out of here, the traffic warden's like, I'm gonna take,
0: <laughs> and then the traffic warden goes to like a lollipop man, <laughs> the lowest form of official in this country, <laughs> just goes, You better back the fuck up out of here. I am on this investigation now. Two people get run over by a car <laughs> and a ever crossing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Like, Like immediately. I really shouldn't have distracted you from your job. He does not know how to rule the streets at all. (laughs) The lollipop man reveals a badge. Undercover DIA. (laughs) No! It goes full circle, baby. This retired senior official claimed to be in possession of potentially sensitive information. Not only that, they claimed to be the spokesperson for a group of six DIA personnel. They called themselves... Anonymous. Oh, like the hacking group? Yeah, this is before that, though. Okay, the OG, I guess. This one email would create a firestorm within the UFO research community. Immediately, members of this mailing list were arguing back and forth about whether it was even real. They were upset because, if true, this email would change not just human history, but intergalactic history. Wow. It all begins at Roswell. That's right, the Roswell, 1947. So if you're listening at home and you don't know the story of Roswell yet, first of all, how dare you? Also, we did a whole two-part series on it not that long ago, so you're going to want to go listen to that. The DIA operative, known as Anonymous,
2: wrote. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Request Anonymous. I am a retired employee of the U.S. government. I won't go into any great details about my past, but I was involved in a special program as for Roswell,
0: which is really fast to get (laughs) into into, Roswell in an email, by the way.
1: Also, is is it first name request second name anonymous? Yeah. Okay.
0: I
2: guess.
1: Sorry for questioning you, sir. Mr. R anonymous.
2: Rupert anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I shouldn't have said that.
1: Rupert James. Wait, that was even more. Uh, Anonymous, anonymous.
2: Roswell occurred, but not like the storybooks tell. There were two crash sites. One southwest of Corona, New Mexico, and the second site at Polona Peak, south of Datil, New Mexico. The crash involved two extraterrestrial aircraft. The Corona site was found a day later by an archaeology team. So this
0: is the crash that everyone knows about, essentially. Right. Right.
2: This team reported the crash site to the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department. A deputy arrived the next day and summoned a state police officer. One live entity, an EBE, was found hiding behind a rock. The entity was given water but declined food. The entity was later transferred to Los Alamos. The information eventually went to Roswell Army Airfield. The site was examined and all evidence was removed. The bodies were taken to Los Alamos National Laboratory because they had a freezing system that allowed the bodies to remain frozen for research. The second site was not discovered until August 1949 by two ranchers. How
1: far along is that?
2: Two years.
1: Two years? No one found the site for two years?
2: No questions, please. This is an email.
1: <laughs> Just two years It seems like a long time that no one would have found this. How's he living out there? You said he didn't have any food or water.
2: No one said there was an alien at the second side of the crash. So the, it just crashed by itself, then Rupert Anonymous. No, it didn't crash by itself.
1: <clears throat> well, don't get we don't get angry. You're not making it up. <clears throat> it's not a personal story. This is ridiculous.
2: They reported their findings several days later to the sheriff of Catron County, New Mexico, because of the remote location. It took the sheriff several days to make his way to the crash site. Once at the site, the sheriff took photographs and then drove back to the Teal. A recovery team from Sandia took all custody of the evidence, including six bodies.
1: So there were bodies. It's just you said there weren't bodies. You were actually pretty aggressive when I
0: asked if there were bodies.
2: There weren't at that point in the story, and now there are, so... Okay.
0: So right off the bat, imagine you're Victor Martinez. It's late 1 November evening, and this email lights up your inbox. As someone who said Roswell happened, you studied the case, you know the evidence. What are you thinking about this take on events? I think somewhere in my investigations,
1: I actually came across some reports that said that there were, in fact two crash sites mm-hmm. i don't remember how deeply i went into that because it's been a while since we did that investigation but i think i did mention it now in the second part of that episode we talked a little bit about the guy who said he worked for the government saw the objects on the radar then went to that crash site where they recovered bodies from the scene yeah so that is much more in tune with uh with uh, what rupert anonymous is saying
0: yeah because he's confirming that first crash site but saying that a live entity was recovered there. Yeah. As well as a second crash site where bodies were recovered. Yeah, I believe he said six. Right. And, and in my reports,
1: they were all like, pretty much either dead or incapacitated. There wasn't a little space goblin hiding behind a rock that they had to shovel and put in the back of a van, presumably.
0: There used to be stories kind of discredited in this day and age of a body being taken away in an actual ambulance. And it was used to be said that a nurse witnessed this and then later went missing. And yeah. these days, they think that that nurse didn't actually exist, that at she was a, a fictional character. But the idea of an ambulance being needed was in the public consciousness for a while, at least.
1: Yeah. And also, uh, I believe we talked a bit about the coroner That was called. Asked about embalming fluids. That's
0: right. But then I don't remember if
1: that was utter bullshite or not. Yeah. He might have been a maniac.
0: I don't remember at this point. Either way, we said it was real. So let's move past that. So at this point, the military scientists are going through the wreckage of the two crash sites. But it's the 40s and they don't have a clue what they're even looking at. But more importantly, what about this recovered entity, the EBE-1, as he's referred to? In basically all other accounts of Roswell, if there was a body found, it was dead and an autopsy performed. There aren't really credible accounts of a living thing found at the site. Right. But luckily, Anonymous goes into a little more detail. Anonymous says that it spoke in, quote, tonal variations. It seemed to be at least humanoid. It had a head and limbs and made noises with its mouth. And according to this email from this group, known as Anonymous, over the next couple of years up to 1950, scientists at Los Alamos were able to make contact and communicate with EBE-1. Tonally? Yes. So like, Because
1: that's all I can think of when you think about <laughs> tonal communication. EBE-1's like, <laughs> 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 You know I could talk, right? What?! <laughs> Or do you think it's yeah, like, I could talk this entire time? They, they wheel him in and they'd be like, "Okay, so the alien talks tonally mm. uh, through like different different melodies. So oh, you're gonna awesome. have to communicate." And so they're like, "E one E one, oh ha oh ha ha," and E B E one is like, "Ooh yeah, baby, come on, yeah." And they're like, "All right, he just he sings." <laughs> I don't know how I got here. I'm hungry as shit. <laughs> Would you like some water? F- go <laughs> I want some space juice! I don't even know if he's intelligent life. <laughs> the food is so. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is he so sassy? Are they all like this in your planet? Everyone else is really nice. That's why I got evicted. <laughs> so we got the dick one. He was kicked off the planet. Mmm, correct! <laughs> is it cool if I crash here tonight? Mm we need to get him we need to get his guy out of here
0: for an entirely musical entity he's the worst taste in music as yeah, well i
1: think he's smoking a joint in the corner right now they're like oh, don't worry we've got actually another body from the crash maybe we can communicate with him the other alien just starts moonwalking across the room oh for this one just dances <laughs> communicates through dance he's just popping and locking to every question Real interpretive shit. He's like a flower blossoming oh, and like falling Jesus. to the floor Super and they're like,
0: oh. Contemporary dance. God damn it. Scientists were supposedly able to decipher the noises you just heard to communicate basic ideas. But what does an extraterrestrial biological entity even talk about? Their home planet, of course, right? EBE-1 said that it was from Zeta Reticuli, a binary star system in our galaxy just 40 light years away. Okay, well, that's great. But if you're a scientist at Los Alamos, what are you asking EBE-1? Well, they got EBE-1 to explain the contents of their crashed ship. You know, we get our hands on all this space tech, but we don't know what any of it does, especially back in the 40s. He's, he's being pretty open about all this stuff. I would have thought he'd be a bit
1: more reserved.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess he doesn't have many bargaining chips. You know, you want to yeah. make yourself useful.
1: You know the CIA. We, if we make contact with an extraterrestrial. They're waterboarding that oh thing. They're yeah. electrocuting his and not space, with space nipples. Juice.
0: No, absolutely not. It's a bad. They'll details and whatever you want. Like I say, this arrangement works for EBE1. After all, if they can get access to his ship, maybe he can get home somehow. So in the wreckage, scientists believed that they had found a communication device, but it was completely indecipherable. So they took it to EBE1. He showed them that it needed a power source from one of the crash sites. Hmm. And of course, Los Alamos scientists aren't just going to speak English into this thing. They're going to need input from EBE-1 to make contact with anyone. Right. So in the summer of 1952, EBE-1 started sending messages back to Zeta Reticuli using this communication device.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest.
0: Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus,
1: that's an alien. Mm -hmm
2: let his planet know that he was alive. The second message explained the crash five years earlier and the death of his crew. The third message asked for a rescue craft. The fourth suggested a meeting with the leaders of planet Earth. The fifth suggested an exchange of humans and Ebens, which is what they were called apparently. Ah. The sixth message that EBE-1 sent provided the Ebens with landing coordinates for any future rescue or visitation mission to Earth.
0: But all summer, there was no response. And EBE-1 was getting sick. You know, he's away from his home planet for a few years at this point. He was yeah. in a goddamn crash. Who knows what they're doing to him, as we discussed. Yeah. So he's not doing so good.
1: Our air could be his cyanide. We don't know how this shit works.
0: It's a miracle he's still breathing. Yeah. Fearing the worst, the scientists scrambled to decipher as much of his language as they could. And around this time, they thought they understood only around 30% of the basic concepts. And in winter of 1952, EBE-1 died before he ever got a response from his own planet.
2: Oh, shit. Once EBE-1 was gone, we were on our own. We sent several messages over a six-month period in 1953, but we did not receive anything in return. However, we adjusted our efforts and fine-tuned them over the next 18 months. And when we sent two messages in 1955, we received a reply.
0: They could barely make out the message. It took consulting the best linguists the DIA could offer, as well as reportedly some international a- academics in linguistics, to have a go at this thing. And knowing that this was an unsustainable way of communicating without EBE1 around anymore, they took a bold step. With their next message, they decided to reply in English. After all, if the Ebens are so much more advanced than us, they could probably decode English way faster than we could decode their language. That's actually a pretty smart idea.
2: Anonymous wrote, Approximately four months later, we received a reply in broken English. Sentences that contain nouns and adjectives, but no verbs. In one message, they provided us with a form of alphabet. Over the next five years, we were able to hone our understanding of the Ebon language. However, we had a major problem. We tried to coordinate an Ebon landing on Earth, yet we could not understand their time and date system, and they couldn't understand ours.
1: That must be really tough. Because in your head, you're like, oh, maybe to them, 6 p.m. is 12 a.m. You know, that's what it is. But in reality, you're like, all right, what time do you want to meet? And then they're like, let's meet at quarter to purple. Like, it it won't make any sense. (coughs) It's so different. Let's meet just to the left of the upside down corner of the smell of burning. It would be nothing. It's nothing.
0: Yeah. It's such a foreign. It's not time. You know what they say? If a lion could speak English, we still wouldn't have a include what it was saying because a human's set of references by which they navigate life are so completely alien to how a lion navigates the world that our frames of reference just would not overlap the things that even an animal thinks about compared to what a human thinks about are not compatible let alone a creature that lives in another star system where by the way there are two suns yeah the, the rotations of their planet alone the gravity everything will be different I mean,
1: scientists probably would think that, but you know, the second they make the equipment that allows a lion to talk, he's going to be like, Roar! I love eating zebras. It's like, oh, he's actually really black and white. Yeah. It's pretty, it's exactly what we thought it was. I have to piss now. He <laughs> walks over to the corner and like, he's like, yeah, hey, he's going to the bathroom. I'm horny, <laughs> hungry, and tired. Yeah, it's like, it's really,
0: well, same as five, five minutes, minutes the ago nail, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool.
2: <laughs> the Ebens didn't explain any astronomical data of planet Serpo or their system, but they sent a message indicating they would return to Earth on a particular number of date and location that we chose.
0: That's a pretty good idea. It's like if you're going to meet your friend and they don't, it's like a one way communication. Right. You know, you've got to contact them on a payphone or something. Your best just to call on the payphone and just go, hey, I'll I'll meet you here in 3 hours even if they can't respond.
1: Comparison is way too close to the situation that you were trying to give an example of. You're like let's just say your friends like on another planet <laughs> and it's a one-way communication. It needs a even inside like, this is the same, you're telling the same story transponder has been destroyed
0: and the one guy that can help you is dead uh <laughs> you have a mate called ebe1 he <laughs> tragically died in the winter of 52 your best just to tell the person so i do under, i do get it i do get it. it's the onus is now on them balls in their court yeah. to decipher this and get the data in time
1: it's pretty baller as well to be like you know Oh, what are you saying? Oh, what does this mean? What is your time? What is our time? And then just, you know, military man grabs the mic and goes, Listen up, you little alien bastard. <laughs> 12 a.m. Here, in the desert. You, me, peacetime. And he like, boom, drops the mic, smashes on the floor. That was like, If you're even one minute late, we will nuke you. Every minute the meeting is delayed, we will nuke one of your many
0: sons. <laughs> They're just like, we're just going to go to China. They're way more friendly. We're giving them a lot of our gear. Oh. <laughs> Picks up his cell phone.
1: Listen up, China.
0: <laughs> you
1: are.
0: <laughs> the date they chose April 24th, 1964. The location? The southern sector of White Sands Missile Range, New
2: Mexico. Our government officials met in secret to plan the event. Several months into the planning process, President Kennedy decided to approve an exchange. An exchange of a special military team. Not only were the Eben's going
0: to come to Earth, but according to these DIA operatives, the sitting President of the United States signed off on Eben's coming to Earth, but Earthling's going to planet Serpo.
2: Who would be chosen? They decided that each member must be military. They must be single. No children. They must have over four years of service, and they must have more than one specialty. They must be entirely sheep-dipped and cleared of any identification problems that would haunt them while on the trip. One suggestion was to list all the members as being dead. But it was decided each team member would be listed as missing in action on official records.
1: In case they ever came back?
2: Yeah. Every single record of each team member was purged, including their social security records, tax returns, medical records, military records, and any other ID were destroyed and collected and placed in a special storage location. So maybe they're not coming back.
1: (laughs) No, it it doesn't sound like it. Fingerprints burned off. Any living relatives murdered. We, we
0: We actually just slit their throats after. Just kill them all.
1: (laughs) They were gonna die anyway.
2: (laughs) From fifty-six thousand candidates, we screened down to twelve. These were the best of the best.
1: Do they have a cool name? You got it. If you're like a, a team of, space exploring badasses, you gotta have some name. The the Boundless Twelve. Isn't it? Twelve, Space Rangers. Cheaper by the dozen. What? How's that badass? Fantastic Four. Wait, that's taken. There's twelve. And they're not
0: four. Let's call them the Galactic 12. That sounds badass. Okay. But there was a problem. The Ebens cancelled. They said that they would come, but they're not going to exchange at this time. They didn't want to exchange. They just wanted to visit. Probably shouldn't have taken all that time to name
1: the Galactic 12. I didn't realize how redundant they were going to be almost immediately.
0: You can imagine the panic. Are they trying to f us? Are they trying to double cross us? What if the whole time EBE-1 was a goddamn mole? We need to shoot first! (laughs) Sent to lull us into a false sense of security. Are they going to come down here guns blazing? Lasers blazing? Not to mention, during this time, America lost President Kennedy. That was enough to spook several in the military out of going ahead with this project. But executive command
2: was given to continue the meeting. The Eben's sent a message confirming the time, date, and location of their landing. Two crafts were en route to Earth. The first Eben craft entered our atmosphere during the afternoon of April 24th, 1964. The Eben craft immediately landed at the wrong location, near (laughs) Socorro, New Mexico. There were 16 senior U.S. government officials on the ground, including military officers. The Eben's exited their craft and walked under a canopy. They gave gifts of their technology. A translator device you could... ...reportedly speak into it and it would read out a translation. A couple members of Anonymous also allege that the Ebens
0: handed over what has become known as the Yellow Book. An artifact that supposedly holds Earth and humanity's entire history in one place as documented from 40 light years away. Sorry,
1: if they have a functioning translator and a book that contains the history of Earth, why have they struggled so much to grasp one word of English?
0: <laughs> I think they've been working on the translator just over the last few months, knowing that they're coming to Earth for like an actual official meeting. But hasn't, haven't they been talking to them for like two years at this point? And we don't know exactly what else happened at that meeting, but we do know they agreed upon an exchange one year later. And so, in July 1965, in the Nevada desert, the Galactic 12 gathered at the meeting point.
1: Yes, mother Here we go! The mother f***ing Galactic 12! G12, baby! I am amped up! I knew these bastards were going to come back into the show!
2: During the exchange, only a selected few officials were present. The Eben craft landed and our team was placed on board to travel 40 light years to Zeta Reticuli.
1: Yes, boy. Galactic 12 leaving this planet. You know, like, you know how uh, it's like the NASA team have those cool NASA jackets? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the jackets the goddamn Galactic 12 have? Woo! They probably have like freaking Blade Runner style neon jackets with
0: like popped collars, space shades on. Like, if you ever go to like british museum or whatever and do you ever see like the samurai armor outfits yeah you'll read the little description i'll be like it would have taken a japanese peasant 20 years (laughs) to make this suit of armor yeah it cost close to like a billion dollars in in that time's money that's what the galactic 12s outfits are like
1: absolutely and they don't even care
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're they're spilling ketchup on them yeah they're so cool (laughs) <laughs> their problems are out in space not here on earth who's like we don't have to cast all 12 but if this no. is a movie who's like the top like three uh galactic oh, top characters? three
1: galactic 12 um i think one of them is going to be ryan gosling
0: right steely eyed cool composure but, but i don't know if i buy him though as a military like like crack squad guy how
1: dare you, sir? That's Ryan Gosling you're talking about. But
0: he's too, like, dreamy. He's floppy-haired. We're he's talking. Gorgeous. He's in the
1: Galactic 12. We're talking he's shaved,
0: motherf- shaved heads, multiple years of military service.
1: That's a couple of them are rough and ready. Most of them are goddamn tens, rippling abs, huge pecs, biceps
0: the size of goddamn mountains. Three to four of them are just Victoria's Secret models. Exactly. Carly crosses is in there for some reason. <laughs> Because she can code? They,
1: like, you know, if you're putting members of the human race onto an alien spaceship and taken to another planet, you want them to arrive on that planet and everyone to be
0: like, holy shit, humans are gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You want the aliens to want to bang the first humans. Like, they they mostly sent Neil Armstrong to the moon because in (laughs) case there were moon people yeah he was very charming neil in his prime was yeah. a smoke show was that's an right not a lot of people of know that yeah and yes it was hid because of the technological restrictions at the time it was hidden under a spacesuit. but these days they're not going to send them up in that big goofy white outfit they're going to send them up in like we're talking to bring them up again fantastic four style skin tight leotards oh yeah that's what ryan gosling's going up in
1: absolutely and they're not going to want to come back
0: no way that's right, we have the Galactic 12 on the precipice of, in the 50s, becoming the first intergalactic explorers. But you will have to tune in next week to find out what happens to them, because this is the first part of a two-part series about Project Serpo. Ooh. Ooh, and next episode is
1: none of this other bullshit none of the evens. none of this technology crap it's all about the galactic 12 baby and their goddamn that's crazy ass space adventures
0: yeah that's right it's it's gonna be like it's really more just about the internal gossip of the galactic 12 while in space it's kind of like the big brother house but in space <laughs> yeah they're yeah. actually pretty petty yeah they're so gorgeous <laughs> you would never have thought they served in the military to be honest <laughs> Uh, that's right. Spoiler alert, things are gonna get nuts. You think this was a lot of alien action for one episode? Wait until part two, people. I'm loving this, this is a great story. I hope you've enjoyed part one. Happy New Year, everyone! Yeah! Holy shnikes, we made it to 2019 in one piece. We have so much to bring you this year. We're super excited. Another year of paranormal shenanigans. Can't wait, can't wait. Hope you had a beautiful holiday period. And as you know, we got we got more episodes for you next week.
1: Yeah, 2019, guys, it's looking spooky. So
0: we have more than enough content to fill. Don't you worry about that. But before we go, we would be remiss if we didn't mention our first ever live show. That's right, folks.
1: It is still happening.
0: <laughs> believe try. it or not, believe <laughs> it or
1: not. Whether the Vault Festival wanted to happen or not, we've had to change venue four times. Uh, you know, th- there's uh, some MIBs that RSVP'd, so we had to shut down that event, start a new event. Yeah. It's been a bit of a wild roller coaster.
0: Anyone called, anyone that booked a ticket called Mr. Smith, we had to cancel that event because we just couldn't take any chances. We didn't know if it was ya yeah. boy from The Matrix.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mr. A. Smith, we know you a was agent a dead giveaway
0: <laughs> but that's right tickets are still available um so we've been posting a link uh, everywhere on our social so just follow those to pick up your tickets and um, to make sure that you get the chance to go this it's- is a night that you're not gonna want to miss guys this
1: is the commune coming together as one that's making right. real world appearance
0: Um, we're super excited about it that's right check out the live show check us out on our socials and otherwise we will see you next week for part 2 of this paranormal tale goodbye bye bye and as the Galactic 12 would say
1: to space and even further
0: you really want to be in the Galactic 12
1: yeah obviously they're cool as hell